What is philanthropy? Donations to good causes. The love of mankind. Preventing and solving social problems. Six-figure gifts. Giving of your time, talent, and treasure. If you ask a million people, you will get a million answers. And that is the root of many of the problems inherent in the philanthropic sector. If we are not on the same page about what it is, how can we expect to move forward towards a common goal? Hi, my name is Monique and I am a BIPOC fundraiser with over 15 years of experience. I am Valerie and I'm a white fundraiser with 10 years of experience. Each month, our goal is to dive into different aspects of the philanthropic sector from our varying perspectives to discuss how the sector can move forward beyond our current state to get on the same page and truly make a difference in our organizations and communities. Whether you're a nonprofit leader, a foundation manager, or a donor looking to evolve your practice, we're here to offer insights and actionable advice to help you move beyond philanthropy. Hello and welcome to Beyond Philanthropy. We are back again this month and we are talking about special events. And I know right now springtime is event season for a lot of folks and it's been a really weird year where everything had to go virtual and now things are starting to maybe come back in person. And I think it's given us a lot of time to think through special mm -hmm. events and how we want to do them in the future and what that means. And it's given us the opportunity to really rethink the way that we do things as an industry. So I'm curious, Monique, is there anything that you've got in mind that you would want to change right off the bat? Where to begin? You know, event planning, even though it caused some of the most stress I've ever experienced, is something that I really love. You know, working with the organizations that I've worked with, I've been privileged enough to really have some really amazing events. But at the same time, things happen that make me, that have made me question it all. I've had attendees say, you know, really off the wall things. And, you know, in one instance, they said something and it kind of took me aback. And when I had a debrief meeting, another staff member said, oh my gosh, that's the same person that asked me if I knew my kid's father. Like they were sitting at the table. This person was a you know past program participant who is now involved as a staff member in the organization. She was seated at a donor table and the donor was asking her how things have been. And she was saying that she just had a baby and he really said, oh, do you know who the father is? And that's one of the most, and I was, it's so ignorant, one. And two, I just really couldn't believe that it happened to her. And when I asked what, you know, what was done after that, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Why didn't you tell me, you know, one that happened before I had worked there, but you know, why was there no historical understanding of, of that? And that really made me think about the way that we, as we talked about in the last episode, make the people we serve dance for their food, mm -hmm. putting them on display so that people can gawk in awe at the, the person that they're helping in order for them to want to give. And I think that one of the biggest changes that I would like to see, and I think especially now because people are going virtual and they might not have the ability to necessarily do it, is maybe take that element out in a way. 
Mm -hmm. right? Like let's focus on the issues and not the actual people, because you don't want someone to be looked at now or in the future as the issue that they overcame. Mm -hmm. And I think that in my opinion, that is the biggest thing that we need to start moving away from. How about you? I, I agree. Uh, we did our event virtually twice now. Last year, we were supposed to have our event in April. We pushed it back to May and it was not super organized or well done because back then we still didn't quite know what we were doing. Um, but like, most, like most, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, like May 2020 was a really odd time to be having a virtual event, but um, April 2021 is everyone has expectations about right. what that virtual event looks like and how well produced it is. Um, so we did work with a production company and that definitely gave us a lot more control over making sure we weren't exploiting our folks. So, mm -hmm. you know, the people that we had tell stories, they told the stories ahead of time. They told the stories like one-on-one -on -one with just the camera guy and the interviewer, which helped to, you know, make them feel more comfortable. And I know doing it live is always really nerve wracking. And then you're in the audience with people while they're watching you talk on the big screen. And that can be weird too. And it, it just... It was nice to be able to have like a little bit of control over how right. those stories were presented and make sure they weren't presented in an exploitative way. Right. Um, but also the story you were sharing reminded me of Nice White Parents. Did you listen to that podcast? I didn't. So many people told me to. And in the moment, I just, I just couldn't. Like it was literally last summer. It was, I was like, I, I'm sorry, I'm not in the mind space to listen to, to yeah, this right now. <laughs> it's, it's exactly what you were just saying. Like there was somebody who's a native Spanish speaker who was at a school that their children go to mm -hmm. and they went to a fundraiser for the school. And one of the nice white parents was going on and on about how important it is to speak a second language and how like exciting they are. It is that they're able to offer French at their school and like the the parents didn't feel like they could say anything because they didn't want to jeopardize any support from that person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like that, that person is bilingual and like, doesn't need to be told how important it is. They already do speak multiple languages and their kids speak multiple languages. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the school chose French in the middle of the Bronx, I think where like how many people speak Spanish already, like it just was a whole other thing. It was a little infuriating as a white person to hear about how badly other white people behave, but not surprising, just frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder, I mean, I guess it just goes back to the fact that traditional philanthropy is built on a savior complex, mm -hmm. because I don't know when it became so imperative to exploit people and in, in, in their pain to get dollars. I mean, there are other ways to tell that story without putting a specific person on blast. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I think that if we just get back to the issues and not, you know, one person that is suffering from that issue, I mean, I, I just, there are ways to have events and especially because, you know, from my experience, events have always been about, at least the, the, the galas that I put on have been about the honoree. Yes. And the honoree is not the child or the, the person that's being helped. The honoree is someone who has been of service to your organization, um, either personally or through their company. And, you know, it's honoring that person that brings in the money, right? Like it's, it's honoring that person that allows for companies to buy sponsorships because they want to be associated with that person. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we have to do that. Like when I enter into a Gallup, 
before my doors open, I've already hit about a half a million dollars. Mm -hmm. So I don't, and we don't really, I mean, yes, there's, there's a, there's a portion where we say, you know, open up your checkbooks, but I can say most of the time we do not actually get money at the event because so many people have already bought tables. They've Mm -hmm. already paid for those seats. Um, that they're not actually just pulling money out of their pocket. At that time, we are there to celebrate the honoree. So having people for a show while you're there, I think is just, as you said, it's just so exploitative that I don't know the purpose of it. And it may, and maybe some organizations need that, right? Like mm-hmm. before they open their doors, they didn't hit that amount and they're expecting a kid to pull out the heartstrings to open up those purses. But if that is their only purpose in being there, then I feel like, you know, people need to take a step back and really think about what they're doing. And I think that's the part that I would change is this honoree model. It's the thought that people don't want to give unless there's benefit to them. People don't want to give unless they're seen as associated with the honoree or they don't want to give at all, but they feel beholden to that honoree in Mm. some way, which is such a cynical way to look at things. Like I've had so many conversations where it's like, okay, who are we going to honor this year? And we make a list of people who really supported us or really went out of their way or like really dedicated to our mission. And then everybody kind of says like, yeah, but we need people who can give us money. So like, who are we going to honor? That's going to be able to give a big sponsorship or who are we going to Who's going to draw in, right? Who's going to draw in those big sponsorships? Exactly. Exactly. So there's the conversations of, you know, we used to work with a real estate development company and we always wanted to honor them every year because they have lots of contractors in the city. Mm -hmm. So they're the real estate development company. They've got construction companies, they've got architects, they've got lawyers, they've got all these people who are beholden to them and they develop things like the Comcast center. And then they have all of these contractors who want to keep these people happy. So they keep getting jobs like the Comcast center. So when they say, Hey, we support this charity, you should too. Those, you know, those contractors are very happy to be like, oh, yeah, here, here's a couple thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. Just keep giving us those big contracts. And right. you only have so many of those as a nonprofit. And also at the end of the day, is that really how you want to be raising your money? Like, is that, to me, it's not, <laughs> it's not right. Because, because, because the money is not coming in for the issue. It's not even right. really coming in for the nonprofit. It's no. coming in so that this organization can be, so I was doing a fundraiser. I sent out, so I sent out my sponsorships. I did follow-ups for my sponsorships. Um, and, you know, a certain organization, you know, completely like ignored all my attempts. So we do our sponsorships. Once our sponsorships are in by a certain deadline, whoever sponsored their name goes on the invite. When the invites went out, the organization that I just knew was going to sponsor from the beginning and had been ignoring me, was furious that they were not listed as a top sponsor because of who was being honored. And I said, well, I sent the, I sent the sponsorship to your office. I sent it to your home address. I called you, I sent emails to you and your assistant and no one got back to me. Um, so I, I just thought that was hilarious because it's like because of the person, right? <laughs> because of the honor, not because of the great work that we do, right. not because, I mean, and I knew that, but it was just very, like, I was very taken aback at how upset they were and how bothered other people were like, oh my gosh, they weren't there. They're upset. And I'm like, but I gave them every opportunity to be part of. Exactly. Um, but they just wanted their name as a top marquee, as a, as a supporter sponsor under the honoree mm-hmm. and that's all that it was and that's like and that's that's you know that's great because it helps but it's like 
once this is over though, this, these are, these do not turn into actual donors. Most no, times never, they're not sponsoring again next year because unless they have another honoree that has just as much clout or wants to be just, they want to be as aligned with, mm-hmm. but nine times out of 10, those organizations don't turn into repeat donors. And you have to push really hard to get those organizations to use their tickets and fill their tables and get people in the seats. And even then those people don't typically give once they get there, they're there for the free meal. They're there to be seen. They're there to see the right people. They're not there for you. They don't care about you. And that really made me think about the whole intent and purpose of an event because probably up until the week before I am filling seats because Mm -hmm. of that. And I mean, and and it's great because the seats normally get filled with the people that we serve, right? Which is, you know, they get their own table, they get to come out and experience the night that's the money is going back to them, but they're not being put on display. They're just coming out to enjoy uh, a a luxury evening um, that they can just sit back and chill, you know, and depending on who they are, sometimes we might actually help them get there and send Ubers and things like Mm -hmm. that. But it's more stressful, stressful for me to have to fill seats because I can't have an empty event. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much money was raised. The event can't be empty. So now yeah. I'm even more stressed because now I've got to fill seats. And it's just like, well, what was the point? Mm-hmm. Like, what was really the point of me holding this 200 plus person event for me to have to fill 150 seats? 100 right. seats. And you finally fill the seats, but then you have to pay to feed those people and you have right. to pay to rent the tables and you have to pay for the decorations for those tables. So the return on events is, it depends on which event you, you are doing. I know there are some events that do have a better return, but the average is like 50%. So if you're raising half a million dollars, you're really only netting $250,000, which is still a significant amount of money. But at the end of the day, you put a lot of time and effort into raising that money. And you well, only I'm going to have to give a course on fundraising because if I'm just throwing a half a million dollar event, I'm a net four. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be really, we're going to be really targeted with uh, what we do um, in terms of um, decorations and, and overhead costs. Cause, because you're right. Cause I want the most money back. Exactly. Um, but you know, there's, I mean, there's also other events too, right? When you think about event one, you need to determine what the purpose is. Because a lot of people will say, oh, 50% is okay, 30% is okay because it's building brand awareness. Yes. And it's like, one, is it real? Is it really? Mm-hmm. Are those people coming back? Because again, most times those sponsorships are not turning into repeat donors. Mm-hmm. One, but then two, it's like if you really wanted to build brand awareness, why not have an event that builds brand awareness? So we have, you know, different philanthropic weeks here in State of Young Philly and things like that. So one year we participated with State of Young Philly because I was trying to build up our young professionals and really get the conversation going with, with, with potential younger donors who will become eventual older donors around what we did. And we held an event. It was called um, 60 Second Perspectives on Education. It was held at an event room in a bar, your ticket price covered, a free drink, you know, apps all night. And it was literally, and it wasn't even us, right? We literally had other people who were proponents of education come in and talk about the state of education in Philly. Of course, you know, you know, our, our ED wrapped it up around the state of education and why we do what we do, but it was literally that that's all it was. We weren't taking donations. You know, I think we kept like $5 of every ticket out of a $20 ticket, like nothing crazy, but we were able to then build up our young professionals group from there. 
Yep. Right. Because people are like, oh my gosh, this is the need. And this is what you guys are doing. When, when can I volunteer? Mm-hmm. When can I come out and be a, and be a tutor? So if you're building events around brand awareness, think about who you want your brand associated with and, and, and that goal of that event mm-hmm. and how it's going to have a return, not just right now, but in the long run. Yeah. And I, we used to call them friend raisers and it was so like frustrating to put in that much work on an event and then get roped into, you know, well, of course you have to have flowers. Like how can you have an event and not have flowers? And of course you have to have the best caterer and not just a mediocre caterer. And I'm like, dude, you're wasting all my money. Like I'm raising all this money. Now you want to call it a friend raiser and not a fundraiser so that you can get exactly what you want. You can have the perfect party for all of your friends, but who is it really for? <laughs> it's, you friend know, raisers, when we have fundraisers, if you're the friend hosting it, you're the friend hosting it. Yep. We show up and we'll help get the word out and help you prepare. But you know, this is, this is your event. This is your budget. This is your, this is your donation. Yeah. And it's, it's like, well, we got to keep the honorees happy. Like we got to, you know, have a high caliber event. So mm. they feel comfortable in this atmosphere. It's like, well, yeah, but like, come on. Like, it's just such a frustrating all around way to make, especially on that like gala hierarchy of having the right honorees. Um, I once had a honoree say to me, are you the little girl that's making me miss the playoff basketball games right now? Oh my goodness. Excuse me? (laughs) The little girl? We're... (laughs) Like, yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. You did not have to come. (laughs) Yeah. Like you didn't have to come. You didn't like, I'm not your publicist. I didn't confirm this for you. Like, all I know is that I was told you were coming. So I'm standing here at the door to greet you. And that's literally the first thing out of his mouth. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) But that's the other part of the game, right? Like understanding all the other societal moving pieces Mm -hmm. that you are not like, oh, you can't have it here because of this holiday. You can't have it here because of this major event you can't have Mm -hmm. it here because of this other organization like you don't know how many calendars I've had to look at mainline event calendars and this event calendar just just to make sure that okay this is the optimal day to that way we can get all the major players all the major donors in the room because they're not going to be at some other event Mm -hmm. taking time and dollars away like it's and you don't have to worry about snow and you don't have to like there's so much the farmer's almanac is real people I swear (laughs) by it I use it to plan events it has never steered me wrong I'll say that and then this year like it'll go (laughs) off the rails because it's 2021 which is 2020 again but like yeah like farmer's almanac I've definitely gotten out of that racket a little bit with the organization where I work now. Like we don't have honorees. It's a very different type of event in that like it's not hoity-toity. It's not Mm -hmm. catering to a particular person, but there's always that impulse to still do it. Like at the end, it kind of comes from everybody around me who expects that kind of event. So, you know, we don't have honorees because I'm not really into, you know, exploiting our honorees even to make sure that we get sponsorships. Like I would prefer to build relationships with our sponsors and actually get money from people who know where the money's going and believe in the mission and want to support the mission. And it doesn't bring in as much as it would if I catered to the honorees and the particular set of people who have the funds. But it feels like a more honest way to raise money and it still accomplishes what we want to do and we still hit our goals and it, you know, opens us to another world of people like people who aren't used to being able to participate in this kind of thing because there's a set of people 
who never get invited to this kind of event or when they do, it's such like a drop in the bucket that, you know, they're like, well, of course I have to go because I never get to go to these things. And this is so exciting. And I can't believe they actually want me there. And I'm like, do you want to be here? Then yeah, I want you here. Like that's, thank you. Um, But it always kind of feels like I'm walking a tightrope because there's always those like offhand comments of, you know, maybe if we had it at a nicer venue next year, we'd get more people who are willing to pay the ticket price. Or maybe if we raise the ticket price, we'll attract a different level of people. I'm like, I just don't want to jump through all the hoops that are required to actually attract those people that you're talking about. Because you're talking about like the uber rich people who only come out when there's something in it for them. And to craft an event like that from scratch is hard and annoying. And at the end of the day, are you doing it for the right reasons? Because it kind of feels like you're not sometimes. For the right reasons, but also the right reasons in terms of, you know, why you want the people there and what the purpose of it is. But also there is a lot that goes into the event itself captures the attention for a short moment for one of a million reasons, one being because of the honoree. It's the stewardship after the event that is what counts. And a lot of times, which I've... The funny thing that I've heard, which became like most messed up reality was, oh, well, I only bought this ticket because so-and-so bought a ticket to my event and I was just paying her back. Please take Mm -hmm. me off your list. Right. It was just a tit for tat between, you know, this board member or this donor and this person was just being supportive. Like, oh, they wanted to round out the table, something like that. But it's that stewardship afterwards that matters, whether you're finding out that it's just because it was a tit for tat event or you know, whether that person really wanted to be there because the amount of time and effort that it took for you to put on an event of that caliber in order to really keep that person engaged, is going to still then take another chunk of time and effort to get that person really engaged in your organization. Mm -hmm. So why not just do that from the beginning? Why not really have a dedicated individual donor program that really gets to the heart of what's going on? It saves you time and effort. It actually reduces down your stewardship time because, you know, your event is in September and you started the invites in January and now you're in October now doing follow-up and now trying to build rapport with somebody that you could have been building a rapport with from January. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got, we benefited, I think, from um, the pandemic in that we used to do a second event every year Mm -hmm. and it was a 5k. It happened in October and it was one of those um, 5k's that was run by an outside organization and you kind of buy your way in as a nonprofit and there are several nonprofits that participate and the return on that event was not great. So it was definitely more of a brand awareness thing, but Mm -hmm. we're not an organization of runners. Like we're not... It has nothing to do with our mission and none of our supporters, not none, but very few of our supporters are hardcore runners who want to fundraise on behalf of our organization and be really committed to hitting their fundraising goals. So I managed to (laughs) kind of get that point across after doing it for a year or two while I was here and talking about, you know, what we could be doing with that time elsewhere and how much time Mm -hmm. goes into planning something like this versus how much time I could be using somewhere else. So the plan was to replace it with another event until the pandemic happened and I got really lucky and I have not yet had to have that conversation of what second event are we going to do because I am a virtual 5k. That's all the rage right now. (laughs) I'm of the opinion. We don't need a second event. Like we just need more time to actually steward the donors that we already have and build those relationships and build them strongly and really get the opportunity to 
talk with our folks one-on-one. And I will say, since, you know, we have kind of committed to this non-traditional, non-gala style event that we do in the spring, we have had repeat attendees and we have had people who have come back and made donations in other places or gotten involved in other places and I don't think that would have happened if I was trying to juggle a second event (laughs) if I was trying to juggle launching something else so it has worked out in our favor but also I don't know that I have a hundred percent support on that like I feel like there are still board members who are like so when are we going to do that fall festival we talked about I'm like please god not the festival (laughs) interesting so no second event we've gone virtual so in this new reality where we're hybrid um where people are really starting to understand some of the issues hopefully um you know what does event what do events look like now right like we're, we're no longer trying to exploit the mm-hmm. people that we're ser- that we serve are we sticking to hybrid are we sticking to virtual you know people being comfortable being enclosed once it starts getting cold again being inside of buildings with or without vaccines like what does event planning in your mind look like it's such a big question um i'm involved with our local afp board and we're talking a lot about what Um, National Philanthropy Day is going to look like in November and whether it's going to be virtual, whether it's going to be a hybrid, whether it's going to be in person. And it's such a, I almost want to say it's such a toss up, like it could be really good. Like people could be, you know, vaccinated for the most part at that point, they could be looking to get back out into the world and start to interact with people again. It could be perfect timing it could be awful timing. It could right. be, you know, nobody wave or whatever wave we're in. I don't know right. Yet. Like kids go, go back to school in September. Like there might be another wave happening by November. People might be, you know, pulling back on what they're doing. Like, we just don't know. And I think for me personally, I liked our impact so much more with a virtual event than I did with an in-person event that I want to at least try and pursue some kind of hybrid for next spring instead of fully one or the other, because at the end of the day, people have realized that it's much easier to attend an event from their homes (laughs) than it is to drive and pay for parking and get all dressed up and arrange for childcare and go into the city against traffic on a weeknight. So there's, there's that element of it. And then I think there's also the element of having the control, like you're not exploiting your people, you're giving them the opportunity to tell their story in their own time, in their own place where they're comfortable with people around them who support them. And they have the time to review it and say whether they like it or not and say whether this is an accurate representation of what they were trying to say, as opposed to putting them on the spot, giving them a script, making them stand in a spotlight. It just, those are the pieces that I really like. So for me, I'm thinking if we could do some sort of pre-recorded event, whether it's just the stories from our participants or whether it's also the recognition of the sponsors and some of those other pieces that we do. But at the same time, we did have a meet and greet at Cherry Street Pier this year, which is an indoor mm-hmm. outdoor, huge yeah. cavernous event space, which allowed for distancing and everyone wore masks. And it was so nice <laughs> to be able to see some people in person and just say like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. Um, so in my brain, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it is what are the elements that we really liked that were beneficial to us and beneficial to our participants? And what are the elements that we didn't like about events? And I've already kind of gotten rid of some of those like having honorees and that kind of stuff, but I would definitely 
try to get away from that if possible for everybody, hopefully, and really center the mission of your organization and not so much the needs of the high level donors that you have. As hard as that is, <laughs> it's not easy. No, it's, it's not easy at all. I have been helping clients with their events. Um, you know, one client had a fully virtual event in the spring and um, they did have an honoree, but their honoree had to do with the mission. So it wasn't necessarily someone, they don't expect their honorees to bring in any money, meet a quota. It was really, you know, who is on their own meeting our mission, doing the same type of work in this space. And funny enough from that, they got like their biggest sponsorship to date because somebody wanted to, some organization was like, yes, we want to thank them and honor them too, because they, you're right. They have been doing great work. So it just, so, and it wasn't, it wasn't even expected. Um, it literally came in from the blue to the point where everybody was like, who reached out to them? Did you reach out to them? No, I didn't reach out. It just ran, random sponsorship came in the mail. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, really again, sticking to the mission, right? Like really thinking about not who's given the most money to actual effort um, or to an actual organization, but who themselves is making a way within the mission that you serve on their own, mm -hmm. um, I think is, is, is a way to go. And I also think that, you know, one of the most fun events I put on, you know, we focused in on young professionals mm -hmm. and we really focused on people who were up and coming again, within that space, who are doing the work in that space. Again, we, they're young professionals. We weren't expecting them to make their friends buy tickets or their companies to sponsor. It was, you guys are doing great work in this space. You know, we want to honor you. And then I also think that again, like we just really have to figure out if we're doing it to build brand awareness, making sure that we're focusing on the brand and the mission of the organization. I think that you know, really focusing on that and not the individual is really going to make a difference. And really, again, think about what the purpose is and what the follow-up has to be, right? Like if you're really trying to get some high-level donors, do you want to have an event or do you really want to focus on individual giving? Mm -hmm. You know, really think about what that, what that purpose is because, you know, you can put your name up on Pico's Lights without <laughs> having an event, you can, you can get placement in the paper without having a full out gala. Um, so all those things that come with that, there are ways around it to build your awareness, to build donor awareness, to build uh, fundraising without having to exert the time effort and reintroducing trauma to people who are just with you for help. hundred percent. And, you know, then you don't also feel like you're selling your soul a little bit in doing what you're doing. I mean, the conversations that I've had where like we, we go through, like, who can we honor and who do they know? And who's a guaranteed sponsor if we honor these people versus who's a guaranteed sponsor if we honor those people. And even the like, you know, I remember advocating for working at a youth organization, like we need to recognize the youth that we serve. Like if we're going to be celebrating these people who support right. our mission, maybe exactly. we could also celebrate the young people who benefit from our mission. Like celebrate not exploit exactly like celebrate <laughs> celebrate their achievements and celebrate like what they've accomplished and even then like 
it, it met with a lot of pushback. And then there was that like othering of, you know, like, well, they're not this on the same caliber as the other honorees. So like, we're going to get plaques for the real honorees. Oh, I mean, I guess if you want to get a plaque for the youth too. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, at least treat them the same. Like they're getting recognition at the same yeah. time. They're all like, and timing wise, you know, um, they didn't always get the same amount of time to speak. Like maybe we would let the you know, corporate honorees speak for five minutes and the individual honorees speak for 10 minutes and then the youth would only get five. And it just like, part of it was just trying to juggle having a lot of speakers at one event, but part of it right. was making it seem like the youth maybe was lesser than or less important than. And, and that always rubbed me the wrong way too. So <laughs> that's part of the reason why I completely eschew honoring people at this point. I'm just like, no, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> honoring anybody, like get me away from it. No. Honoring our program participants, yeah. I'd be into, but honoring like donors or supporters only if they truly actually have supported us and believe in our mission. You know what, the one thing that we haven't spoken about do we honor the staff? Like, you know, do we really take the time to, because in most organizations, the nonprofit staff go above and beyond, mm -hmm. especially the direct program staff, right? Like making personal phone calls, forming relationships that go beyond, forming relationships that are really in the best interest of that person or their family. Like, I don't know how many organizations actually honor staff i've been at organizations that do but it's separate like staff recognition day was a completely no, separate staff event. recognition day that's what i'm saying as an honoree right yeah like if you're going to honor people who have dedicated time dedicated money because they're definitely being underpaid right like <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely working more than 40 hours like are we really dedicating the people who have gone above and beyond for the mission and for the people that we're serving just a thought i was just yeah. thinking like we've named you know we've named donors we've named random people we've named other people moving the mission we've named mm -hmm. the students or the people being served but we have not named the people who literally dedicate their lives day in and day out even on saturday and sunday which would make sense like those are sense. the other thing we didn't mention and we only have a few more minutes left but we didn't mention that the same people get honored over and over again in by every organization mm -hmm. by every organization by every organization, and especially if it's a person of color at the head of that organization, they get honored more because organizations want to be celebrated for their diverse choice oh, in honoring. Um, and that's a that's a whole other thing too, because if you have multiple honorees, you end up having that conversation of, okay, they're all white. So how do we, like, who could we nominate in what category? Who's they're all white, they're all men, they're all women, they're all- yeah. Right, yeah, it's, it's a whole other whole other aspect that we didn't get into, but it's definitely there. There's, there's a couple of leaders in Philadelphia who are people of color and, and not to take away from any of their great achievements and any of the things that they've accomplished in their lives, but they get honored a lot. <laughs> and there are other people out there doing good work too. That's Those are also conversations that we've had like, oh, they were just honored. So their tap, their network is tapped. You're next. right. Like they're tapped. <laughs> Go to the next, next. one. Yeah. And and eventually you run out of people and you end up right back at the beginning of the list. It's such an oh. incestuous place that we live in. Um, but I think all most most places are like that, where there's yeah. you know some lead philanthropists and there's some lead organizations that really tend to get honored regularly. But you know what? I really think that goes back to the purpose of what our podcast is about, right? Because mm -hmm. there are so many other people 
that are doing great work. And because they aren't able to write those six figure checks, because they don't lead organizations that can have, you know, volunteer days or things like that, they, they get overlooked. And it's even funny because if you even think about a large organization in a volunteer day, I'm sure the person you honored was not even the person that organized that event. Yep. They signed off on it, but it was a staff person who actually organized, like, where was that person's recognition? Like they might've got recognized in a speech and they might've got some company plaque for hosting an awesome volunteer day. But like, if that's one of the things that you're utilizing to actually honor someone for your organization, you really should be finding out who did the work. Yep. So many topics. So many topics. We've got to move beyond (laughs) looking at philanthropy in a traditional sense and really get to the heart of the people who are making ways and moving mountains with just their heart and soul. Yeah. And hopefully we've sparked some ideas for folks today about how to do that in special events. And we'll be back next month to talk about how to do that in other areas. And hopefully you, uh, you enjoyed our chat today. Definitely. If you have any questions, if you have anything to share, you know, drop us a line on, on anchor, you can, you can add uh, comments there, or you can also um, hit us up on our social channels. We'd love to keep this conversation going until next time. This has been beyond philanthropy.